For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Hope you all had a great weekend. Spencer Israel, Joel Khan, and Dennis Dick with you this morning. We're going to talk about the fireworks at Friday's close. We have some M&A in the railroads from over the weekend to discuss. We have some weird stuff happening over in Turkey. AstraZeneca is in the news. We got a lot to get to on today's show. Maybe we'll even get to the ARK Invest Tesla price target if we feel like it. Uh, our guest today, Tim Quast, is the founder and CEO of Modern of Modern IR and Market Structure Edge. He would join the show at 8 to 35. And Chaim Siegel, head of U.S. equity research at Elazar Advisors. He would join the show at 9. Today's show is also sponsored by Market Structure Edge, the first decision support platform for traders built on Market Structure. To learn more, go to marketstructureedge.com. The link uh, will also is should be up on the screen right about now. Joel, let's go to your charts uh, and everyone smash that like button for Joel's charts and tell us how we're doing this morning. Is it Heim or Heim? I don't know. Because I had Uncle Heim. It's uh, okay. C H A I M. Is this yeah. H A I M? No, it's C H. Oh, okay. So it's Heim. It's not okay. Heim. It's Heim. Come on. <laughs> That's March nice. Madness, folks. Yeah. That's all I can say. March Madness. Holy mackerel. I think even if, I haven't even looked at my brackets. I think even if Michigan wins, I don't even, which, you know, I don't even think I have a chance then. But uh, Madness in the Markets on Friday's close. We'll talk about that with Triple D when he comes on here in just a few minutes. SP Futures, week close, week open, but we're in the green by six and three quarters handles at. 3906.75 pre market high 3911. Have nothing there for you. Pre market low 3885. I have nothing there for you either. Last week's low, Friday's low, down at 75, 3875. That's our bogey on the downside. Crude getting off the mat, a uh, big sell off last week, up 25 cents only though at 6127. Gold in that range, seventeen hundred to seventeen fifty, down seven bucks to seventeen thirty-four sixty. Silver, that's going the same way. That's down about six cents at twenty-five seventy-three. And every time I look at Bitcoin, it looks like we're at like fifty-seven thousand, fifty-eight thousand. We're trading down one thousand three hundred and fifty-five dollars at fifty thousand seven fifty-seven thousand six hundred and twenty. So we'll bring in triple D. Triple D, how was the weekend, and how was that close on Friday? 
Crazy close. A lot of gaps really? on the close. Yeah. Well, we have the quad witch, so we're expecting some fireworks. We got them. There was a lot of gaps. I mean, there was a lot of runs, you know, where you see the big imbalance and they're just buying them into the imbalance or selling them the imbalance. The stock's going both ways. Check out AVGO. Look at the chart there in the last 10 minutes. Okay. Went from 460 to 475. Obviously, big buyer there on the close. And you can see the big green bar. Um, you know, so how do you do it? Do you, do you try and go with it or do you try and fade it or do you no, just leave this um, one alone? I used to see you could, because the information comes out of 350. So you could then go with it if you uh inclined yeah if, if you want to you can go with it but a lot of times they flip around and they you know so there's a risk in doing that is it you know is it going to flip on you and then catch all the traders that were going with it i typically just fade the moves if they have a big gap up on the close i'm short and if they have a big gap down i'm buying it and that's typically how i do it again it's a kind of market that you know weird things happen in but these moves are based on order flow, not based on market fundamentals. So typically, from a quantitative perspective, they give it back. So if you see something that moved down $3 on the close, typically, it, you know, relatively speaking, obviously, if you have market effects involved on all these stocks, I mean, the market's ripping this morning. So to expect AVGO to just be down $15 isn't, you know, realistic. It's a, it's a you know, it, it's a tech stock. Techs are ripping here this morning. So it's going to have some life from that. But if you're chasing up ABGO this morning, you're saying, oh, well, it's only up 0.3%. Qs are up more. The reason it's not up more is because it had a 15-point run on the close. Um, it was trading down a little bit after hours on that. But there's a ton of other ones, too. I mean, look at UPS. Here's another one. Gap down and ran down on the close, 162, all the way down to 159. So that's a big three-point move. These are serious moves, yeah. Um, especially if you're trading any type of short-term day trading stuff. I mean, there's big money to be made here. FNF, a smaller financial, smaller company there. Again, financials getting pounded here this morning, but it got hit really hard in the close from 41 down to 39, 34. You're talking about a three and a half, four percent move there in a matter no of bounce. ten minutes. No bounce. Not much of a bounce in well, this one. Well, huh? well you're gonna you're not gonna get a much of a bounce because it's a financial and TLT is way up here today. Oh, so you gotta look point. market effects always. So, you know, other things being equal, if the market and everything's flat, you would expect a little bit of a bounce in FNF. But because TLT is up, banks are down. If you look Bank of America trading down one and a half percent, JP Morgan trading one one percent. This isn't down much, this is actually trading up a little bit here this morning. So there is a little bit of bounce happening because if you know obviously it's gonna happen right. financial would probably be down with the TLT trading up. So, you know, it's only one, uh, you know, impact is that, you know, obviously there's always, you know, other influences on the market, the overall market influences individual stocks as well. But typically I fade the moves. So I'm running algorithms um, that are, you know, throwing, you know, providing liquidity into the close. And I'm, I, and like I said, I love the LOC or lemon on close. So you send that out. If you were buying LOC, you know, FNF 40, you get filled with closing print at 39.34 long. So some of those work well. I got MasterCard on the close. I flipped it out. I flipped it out a couple minutes later. Um, Visa was crazy because Visa had news, uh, but it got hit pretty hard on the close too. I'm just trying to remember. I got wow. Disney on the close. I bought, yeah, I, I, I bought Disney. I remember this one I bought on the close. Um, I bought at 90, the closing print, I think, which was 91.14, 191.14. And I think I flipped it out at like 191.60 after hours, like about a minute later. So, you know, it's a quick half percent. So that's how you pay the bills if you're, you know, a prop trader. You know, quick half percent. Like I said, I'll enter a trade for a 0.1% edge. You get a 0.5% edge. That's a pretty good edge.
Uh, and uh, Coca-Cola. Man, oh, man, I hope you were out there at 51. That, yeah, I got uh, short a bunch of Coke um, on the closing print as well. And um, I, I wasn't out there ahead of time. So, yeah, 51 would have been good. So, obviously, sometimes what happens is you'll see the big buy imbalance. It'll actually get oversubscribed to, and it can actually flip and go down on the close. So, it actually went, came in a little bit on the close, and then it's coming in a little bit more. But that was a wicked move for Coke, too running up 1% in the last six, seven minutes. A stock that moves 1%, you know, all throughout the day, typically, moved 1% in the last, you know, five minutes. So these are big moves. Yeah, that one too, I mean, just from an order flow perspective, a nice, you know, round number like 51 stopped just above it the day before. So I know you don't have time to factor in all those things when you're, you know, when you're putting out the orders, but uh, you said Pepsi had a big move too, correct? Um, I'm trying to remember. I remember getting filled. Yeah, Pepsi ran up. So if you can look this big move, Pepsi running up. You'd expect it to give it back, but it got an upgrade this morning. So it's oh, even going oh. further. Yeah, so it's going a little bit further there. But that was a big move for Pepsi there too. So obviously an analyst doesn't look at the gaps. Hey, and hey, Dennis, they paid up a little bit on this upgrade. Dennis, I'm wondering if you noticed the S&P rebalance because that those things move, had a very interesting uh, move at the close. The stocks that were being added to the S&P all dropped. And the stocks are being removed, all popped. What um give us those that list if you so, have so so Penn National, right? Was, that got destroyed last week. Is going what was going in. Yeah, but but I'm saying like a look at the clothes though. Penn and National oh, dropped. Okay. Right. Uh Z R um not not uh NXPI. Caesars. Sorry, yeah. NXPI, yeah, uh, Caesars yeah. and Generac. They all went in. And they all got hit on the close. Yep. And then the ones that were that one that were leaving the the index, the S P five hundred. Yep. Uh, uh flow surf fls uh and then xerox right mm-hmm. and then slg well that these one, all got hit these got, got hit actually, too they hit everything i hit too. <laughs> i'm looking at it yeah okay. they look like they hit everything <laughs> there was a lot of selling balance close a lot more stocks got hit than we're getting bought but like i said there was a few outliers like avgo that ran up 15 points on the close so pepsi ran up you know there, were, there was some going the other way too so I know a lot of people listen to this. And they're like, oh, no, we want to talk stock picks. And, you know, what do we want? I'm trying to teach you guys, like, how, you know, a prop trader looks at the markets and how, you know, other professional traders look at the markets and try to extract edge from that. So this is all about extracting edge. You know, when you see these big imbalances, they're going to move price. You know, we can look at charts all we want. Chart is meaningless in the last 10 minutes of a quad witch when you got a huge buy imbalance. It is going to push price. So, you know, these are edges that, you know, we can ex- exploit in the market just by obviously having that information, which is publicly available information, and then using that and knowing how to use it. So, Joel, giving you, you know, the, the one way we used to always do was going with it for the first 10 minutes and then flipping it on the close. Like I said, in the last few years, it's been trickier because they flip them around. There's a lot of institutional action. There's some gaming of this happening, too. So I feel like the only safe edge is usually the fade. So. All right. Uh, how about Merger Monday? Let's uh, do yeah, it. This was out over the weekend, which you don't see too often. But, yeah, Canadian Pacific is buying Kansas City Southern. So CP is buying ticker KSU wow. Wow. for a deal that values it at, at $25 billion. So stock or cash? It is a... I'm assuming because uh, CP it, is it, down, it's it a is stock bo- deal. It is both, actually. It is a yeah. cash and stock deal. You got a ratio? So you, I do have a ratio. I'm I glad love you. you. So glad you asked. 
Uh, shareholders of Kansas City will receive 0.489 shares of CP. 0. 0.489. 0. 0.49 shares of CP for every share of Kansas City mm-hmm. that they own. So that's your art for your risk herbs out there. That's your ratio. Don't trade these one to one when they got a significant cash component too. You use the ratio 0.489. So basically, if they're getting 0.489 for every buck that CP moves, KSU will move 50 cents. That's an easy way to think about it. So usually the first day, I'll let the, the our risk herb shenanigans shake itself out, and then I'll start trading the relationships. So I like to trade all these things. There is opportunity still there. So you know, CP KSU. <laughs> You know, you only have to kick yourself in the butt for not being on this KSU. This has been out there for a long time. It was remember? it was in play with um, Blackstone, I think, last year. I think or was it even longer ago? Was it last year? I can't remember. KSU but... was in play for a while. Yeah, and it's a good call. Like I can remember this being rumored here, like 180. Yeah. So finally, it does materialize? Like I don't think CP was on the radar, but. Um, this was on the. This was back in October, I believe, of last year. You can probably, maybe, we can even go find them in charts. Uh, was it? There was a spike up a couple days, maybe when it went into play. I think it was in the summer. I thought it got to it like might have been the summer. Yeah, it might have yeah. been the summer. It was. No. It was September. It was like September twenty twenty. It was September. That's when it was. September. Okay. Yeah. yeah you see the pop there. Uh, no, no antitrust issues here. I mean, how many railroads are there? I how many know. railroads are there? There's like four. Right? Yeah, no, that could be. That's a good call. It's definitely. So give us the ratio. We could calculate what the risk herbs are pricing that in already. So ratio 0. 0.489. What was the cash component? Oh, good question. Um, yeah, I know the cash. In order to tie I, know, the I know. Okay. It's 90. 90 in cash. So you're going to get $90 in cash. And then you get 0.489. So if we take the current price of CP, let's say 370, just to show you how to calculate it, the grade one math, I guess it's grade two, times 0.489, give you 180 bucks. Say 181 at the current price, plus a 90 on there, which gives you to 270. KSU is currently trading at 261. So they're only given a nine point discount, not much. Is that too little, you think, Joel? I, I don't know. I mean, I just discount? think I just think about how many railroads. I mean, you never know. It, it looks mean, like it's too little to me. Yeah. So you know, careful KSU. Obviously, watch CP because CP goes up. KSU is going to go up that fifty cents for every bucket moves, but only a three percent discount. That doesn't seem like very much. And people on the first day are all excited. They just buy. They see two seventy. There's a lot of uninformed money out there too. That just sees two seventy. They're like, oh, it's two sixty one. Why would I not just buy it? Don't kid yourself. There's people that are actually doing that out there. Um, so, you know, that can sometimes push the price up a little bit higher than it wants to be, but I would have thought a little more discount, but maybe there's not any, any antitrust issues. It's not, it's not out of round, it's not out, way out to lunch, I think only a three, 3% discount, but. So um, it's, it's notable because this, this is the first time that there's going to be one connected railway, one company c- controlling railway that connects Mexico, the U S and Canada. So that's why this is notable. So antitrust, I don't know, this industry is is not very competitive. There, are, there's, one, there's like four railroads that I can think of, right? Companies. There, there's, there's these two. There's Union Pacific, and there's uh, CSX, right? Those are like the four that that. And there's Norfolk Southern, right? I guess five. That those are the ones that I can think of. And so NSC trading up three percent here this morning in sympathy. CSX also trading up four percent in sympathy here. CNI, interesting enough, 
it was down earlier, but it's now turned green. Um, yeah, the other big Canadian one, like I was when I was trading down, I was like, are they thinking this one's going to quiet spike? It's pretty small. Um, yeah. But Canadian National also trading up here. So we're seeing a little sympathy pop in the other rails with the deal. Railroad deals, merger Monday. Anything else in merger land? Uh, no, not really. We do have some uh, some chaos though in Turkey. If you want to go there for a minute, oh, uh, you want you want to look at the TUR ETF? Yeah, and I got a small position in this, and it's not okay. good. <laughs> yeah, Let me small. guess. That's why you stay diversified, folks. How, how do you hedge a turkey ETF? What uh, are you yeah. doing? Turkey grease or something? Dennis? Yeah, no, that one's not a good one. The wrong side of that one. It is <laughs> is very small, and I'm so glad it's very small because it's still kicking the crap out of me. <laughs> I know. Yeah, so, so what happened is the President Erdogan uh, fired, for the third time, uh, fired the head of the central bank in Turkey. And uh, th- this guy had just raised rates, right, like in, uh, was in November and, and December. He had just raised rates. And he's out. And the, the lira uh, took a beating. And the market was halted for volatility. And... The really easiest way for for any of us to get exposure is just that TUR that Joel Joel has up on this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you you could trade the lira if you want, but uh, hey, Dallas, too bad there's like not a mashed potato ETF. You could uh, you know, hit Joel. Come on, I you could everything, man. You could. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know, like I know with these. Uh, I mean, that's just a tough correlation. But anyways, yeah. uh, let's see here. Down five sticks. I mean, use Brazil does this every once in a while too. Yeah. I mean, maybe hold out. I, I at this point, since I know absolutely nothing about investing in Turkey, which I'm glad. Uh, I see a monthly low at twenty three thirty three. That's kind of where you're trading. I, just like with Brazil and these. Seems like they do this. They stay down for a while, then they kind of claw their way back. But that is a very not for uh, informational purposes. That's just I think that's what I remember. So if not good, great monthly support in Turkey under eighteen bucks. But I don't think we're going to see that today. This is where the the pro uh, movers tool comes in handy because if I look at what's down this morning, what uh, what's down the most, I see TUR. And then I also see TKC, which is Turk Cell something or other. Some type of company in Turkey. Some type of company. But the point is they're in Turkey. That's the point. They're in Turkey. Yeah. There's not a lot of Turkey stocks. There aren't a lot. So. There aren't a lot. We right? found you one. TKC. But there's one. <laughs> TKC. There you go. Someone asked in the chat. We got someone pretty smart in the chat. They asked if you traded that this morning. I don't know who it was. I think it was a new guy. Turkey. I can't remember, but that's good. Good call. Are there any other turkey stocks? Uh... Hey, Chad, if you have any turkey stocks, drop them in because we don't really yeah, I don't know. A little bit late now, but <laughs> that wasn't a pretty looking chart going into it anyways. No, but, no. Uh... That gives back its entire year of oh. earnings in one day, pretty much. Or year of gains just gone. Kaplooey. More more than the year. More, well, not the year, but the 2021. It was actually doing okay for the year. Boom, gone. No, not doing well. Lowell, Lowell says I used political to Political risk. Loved it. Yeah. yeah. Real political yeah. risk. That'll do it. That'll do it. Every time. Politics <laughs> get you every time. Good All right. Uh, it's 820. We'll have uh, Tim Quast on in about 15 minutes. 
do we want to get to Tesla or do you want to go? Yeah, for sure. It's Don't you, do you have a Kathy Wood segment? I was thinking, uh, you know, that, no, um, I, that I haven't, I haven't got that, that, that Motown song, knock on wood. I found it the other day. Come okay. on. Okay. All uh, right, let's do it. So, so, so I, I guess this may, maybe this is a sign of how like out of whack, uh, or how how high my expectations were is when I, I heard uh, Ark Invest's new price target on Tesla, which is the which is three thousand by twenty twenty five. My first thought was, oh, that actually seems like kind of low to me. That's how crazy <laughs> this is. That's how crazy <laughs> this is. Low. Three thousand. Anyway, th- their bear case. What's, what 50, would the market cap be? Their bear case 000. is fifty. Uh, it would be like uh, several trillion dollars. Um, like the most valuable company in the world by far. Um, well, I don't know what their their price targets on Apple are for that same period, but uh, yeah, it'd be up there. Um, the bear case fifteen hundred dollars a share. By That's the bear case. The bear case. Uh, so the worst case. <laughs> Kathy sees the worst case scenario. Yep. For Tesla being fifteen hundred dollars a share. The uh, worst case scenario. Bull case. <laughs> like, bull like case. the cars start catching fire. You know, like yeah. the solar doesn't work out. Like everybody decides that EV isn't cool, and they go back to gas guzzling. But that in that worst case scenario, stock would still be fifteen hundred. Uh, bull case four thousand. The biggest thing that I saw was that they they're basically saying we think there's a fifty percent chance that in the next four years Tesla is going to have one hundred percent self driving capabilities. I believe like, that. That I, I think there's a good chance that Tesla leads the autonomous. I, I you know I, nothing wrong with Tesla company at all. Besides maybe Musk being a little crazy sometimes. I mean. You know, this company has been innovative. There's no doubt it's deserving of a premium market cap to the other auto companies. There's no doubt. It's just when you start, like, I don't know how you can keep extrapolating. I know she's got some funky math there and can figure it out. Um, but, you know, and, and she was right before. So, you know, could she be right here again? It's a funny market. I mean, they're buying farts. You know, like, you know, we saw this in the New York Post. People are paying money for somebody that taped their farts for a year. I mean, you have, you know, investors buying That's digital a, art. Great idea. Uh, well, it's just, you know, we're in this silly market right now that nothing really matters anyway. So price can go really wherever it wants. I and mean, we got GameStop that won't come down, still trading here at $200, despite not even being close to fundamentally. There's no fundamental case for GameStop at $200. doesn't matter. The markets, when the markets are completely disconnected from fundamentals like they are. Um, and, and, you know, I think a little bit is coming back in. Like, I think if we were talking three months ago to where we are now, the markets are starting to care about fundamentals a little bit. That's why you've seen the PE stocks, the low ones go up and the higher ones come down. They're starting to actually care a little bit. Are they going to stop caring again? Maybe. Could Tesla go to 3000 It absolutely could. It could go anywhere it wants. Am I going to be participating in that? Maybe from a day trading perspective, is Tesla going to enter my long-term portfolio? No, because the valuations are stupid. So... You know, they've grown, and you could say they've grown into the valuation. Well, you know, they haven't really, though. The market's just given it more, uh, even a more ridiculous valuation. And that might continue. That could continue for a long, long time. And maybe it continues forever. And maybe we're going to a market that's never going to care about valuation again. But, you know, I was looking at buying uh, another house this weekend. I was just doing the quick math. And I'm like, you know, it it was a rental property. And I'm like looking at it. And I'm like, well, I know building costs and what you're building. So I'm building another house. And I'm like, there's literally a house being sold for more than the cost to build it from scratch right now. And the house is 20 years old. I'm like, that's where it's starting to get stupid. When you've got a 20 year old house that is trading above 
what it would cost to build the house brand new. So, I mean, we're we're in some bubbles and some different things. Like that's really what drives real estate. And it's a wicked tangent I went on. But you know what really drives <laughs> real estate is really building costs. Oh, of course, costs. yeah. Like we never talk to stuff, but you know, I do invest in real estate too. But what really drives it is the input cost. So, you know, if it costs you $500,000 to build a house, that a, a house is 20 years old, should trade at a slight discount to that because you're getting a right. used house. It's like buying a used car. You're getting a used house. People always want brand new. So usually, you know, you can look at your home builders and say that, you know, if, this, if they're building at 300 bucks a square foot or 350 bucks a square foot, you know, depending, you know, it can range. I mean, you know, depending on how nice it is. But, you you know, once you're in real estate for a little bit, you can take a quick look and say, okay, this is middle of the road. They're going to build this at 300 bucks a square foot. So I can do the quick math and say it's 2,000 square foot home. It's $600,000 house, you know, roughly speaking. Easy, yeah. Yeah. Easy math. And then you got a lot that's worth 150 a house worth 750 You know, you can go like that if you were to do it brand new. And then you look and the house is going to sell for 800000 It's like, all right, I'm not going to buy a used house for more than it costs to build. That's where you start to get into, you know, uh, a, a real estate bubble. You know, if you're buying houses and the build is, you know, the build cost to rebuild is 600000 you're buying the house for 400000 then you're getting a discount. You know, that's where it starts to make sense. So, you know, and I've, I've taken this from Tesla, but, you know, that's the math that we're in is people are paying up and they're paying, you know, ridiculous amounts for everything right now. So, you know, it's doubled. The stocks, I mean, well, it's the real estate market's nuts in, in Canada three or four anyways. years. Yeah. Well, you hear too. And everywhere, really. Well, you know, I've, I've, so what you're saying is that Tesla's stock is going to uh, go up by 50% every single year for the next four years that's basically what it comes out to i i i think tesla's going to sell more cars you know and we can say the revenues are probably going to go up there would have to really like be something drastically happen that tesla revenues don't go up it's just already trading at a crazy valuation so i guess if you extrapolate it from the current valuation and say it's still going to be trading at the current valuation with higher revenues the stock price is going to go higher what i think is going to have a pe contraction on it eventually where the growth isn't happening you know that happens with every single stock maybe tesla's gonna be the one stock ever that that didn't happen to but i mean eventually you can't just take the current valuation extrapolate it with sales and then come up with a three thousand dollar price target now i didn't look at her specific little math i'm sure kathy's done some other stuff with that too but give her some props she's the one analyst just put her on the map she's been correct on this the whole time but, you know, she's also very influential this morning. Let's talk about that because it's up 24 points this morning because yeah. Kathy said it's worth $3,000 and the worst case scenario is 1500 That's why the stock is up 24 points this morning. So by her saying that, she just put some significant money into her ARC funds by her saying that. Take that with what you, you know, with what you want. I mean, when I, I saw this uh, over the weekend, too, and I mean, it's fine. You can make these kind of calls. But, like, I, I look at this and I'm like, well... It's a long way through getting through 720. I mean, that's a major resistance area. You had a big break. You're flirting with a whole number. And I mean, to me, I mean, if you, I don't want to get crazy here, but you had to move from 900 to 550, what, 350 point move. You got to bounce here to over 700. I'm not going to project this move off from this 700 top, but I mean, doesn't she look at that and say, wow, man, look at that resistance. It's $720. No, probably man. not. No. $70 away. How the hell are we going to get over $720? Probably not. Uh, is the answer I mean, to the question. <laughs> no earnings. I mean, you know, when's well, earnings, earnings coming? coming. No, we know I mean, 
they're going to make right. money. This is not a cash burn situation anymore. Not anymore. In, and when I was writing the puts back, you know, with what I had wrote the one twenties, and they were paying me twenty dollars for those puts. Remember, I did that like a year and a half ago because I was I said I don't think Tesla is. Uh, you know, a, a bankruptcy situation. Somebody that's buying the 120 puts, and this was pre split. So you're talking about the stock, you know, at like $20 puts, they would be, you know, because the, the, because of the split. I mean, if you were buying those puts, you were saying it's going bankrupt. I, I was on the show two years ago saying, I don't think Tesla's going bankrupt. I said, if it really got into trouble, some other company's going to buy for the technology. So, you know, Jeremy Newsom was writing puts. He talked me into it. I was like, I totally agree. I wrote puts on it as well. Those puts expire worthless. I obviously I cover it because I'm always going to cover too soon. But, um, you know, it was a good trade for me. And I was long the stock at one point in time, too. I just felt like it had gotten silly, especially, you know, when, Muck, when even Musk had said when the stock ran to 700, he thought it was getting overdone. Well, stock now is, you know, you know five times that because it's 654 times, you know, the split. So, you know, even Musk thought his price was overdone. But, you know. Kathy doesn't, and that's the people who listen. You know, people listen to Kathy Woods more than anyone in this market right now. So if she says it's worth three thousand. There's gonna be a lot of buyers at least the next morning, and that's what what's, we're seeing here today. What's the yeah? Just uh, keep at pre-market high six eighty-five. Let's look at it from. I mean, I I could give you some intermediate numbers here, but I'm just gonna seven twenty. I mean, look at all those highs there. Three four highs, struggling now with seven hundred. I would say with the Kathy Pop, if you don't get this thing back over 700, close it over 700 a day, then I, I think that's a bad day for it. It always already looks like it's rolling over just a tad. What's your two-day high? You're not even at your two-day high yet, 689.23, and then you start to get into those highs in the 700s. Does anybody know what uh, – I'm looking – on TradeStation, what the lumber is? I'm looking for it. It has to be at L something. If anybody can help me out, I just like to look at the lumber futures. But anyways, Tesla house building, quite a tangent there. 831, S&P's leaking just a tad. Uh, four minutes before Tim comes on to talk market structure. Where do you want to go, Spencer? Here, hold on. I almost have an answer for you, I think. Um, okay. Uh, try LB. I, try like LB slash LB yeah, or at LB. At LB. That's it. And I knew it yeah. was something. No? No? Yeah. All right. No? All right, someone else will help. Us I don't know. Sorry. Um, and a couple, just a couple things on that on the Ark Invest Tesla note. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, you go to the Wood ETF. I mean, that was easy. Yeah. I mean, look at that. Look at that thing. Rocket ship. Um, the, the as our chat is pointing out, their analysis, their models do do uh, give a lot of credence to Tesla's insurance revenue, which 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 is right now only in California, uh, but they're counting on that expanding. And the other thing I'll just say on the Tesla on Arkinvest is they were right in terms of the stock price and what the stock did, but they were right for the wrong reasons, right? Because they're the fundamental things that they were pricing in didn't really happen. What like, were they pricing in? Well, I'm just 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 like the fundamental development of the company in terms of sales and and cre- and credits and all these things. They want a multiple expansion, the, right? They won on they, they won because the stock went crazy because the stock went up, but they didn't Cold win stock. because the business did what they said it was going to do, right? It, it, it's a different it's a different thing. They were right for the wrong reason. So, what that means for this next these next few years, God only knows. I don't know if you noticed this uh, on Friday, guys, but Ark Invest was extremely quiet. They only made they bought nothing. They bought three 
things on Friday, and that is it. They bought three things. They sold three things. What did they buy? That was it. What did they buy? They bought Fate, F-A-T-E. Which they've been buying every day. Yep. They bought one A-O-N-E, and they bought Teladoc, and that is it. They (laughs) really, really quiet day. And they've been buying Teladoc, and these are three stocks they've been buying pretty much every day. Yep, yep. It's crazy that they continue to buy the same stocks every day, yet they continue to get Kathy Pops every day. It's like, I, I don't, I don't get why they continue to get that. And people think I got a hate on for Kathy Wood here. I, I'm just saying her valuation methods, you know, are aggressive. I'm not saying she's been unbelievable. She has built herself a following better than maybe any other following out there right now. So you've got to give her props, and she's very smart. You know, she you get her on. She's Jason Rasnick did a great interview with her. She's crazy smart. I'm just saying. I, we, we've seen these growth investors, you know, that just buy at any cost. Um, you know, we've seen this before, and we've seen it in 96, 97, 98, 99. So you've just got to be careful just paying anything for growth. So I don't agree with, you know, how she – with just buying growth at any cost. I'm, I'm a fan of growth at a reasonable cost. So, you know, I've underperformed guaranteed in my long-term portfolio. I've underperformed Kathy. She's loaded up with Tesla. Tesla That's went not, up like not saying, six, seven hundred percent. Everybody's underperformed Kathy. She's been unbelievable. So you know, by all means, like if you know you you've been doing really well with her, continue to do what you do. I just you know I'm in it for like 20, 30, 40 years. I got burned by actually playing just like Kathy Woods back in 1999, and I'm just careful with it now. In 2007, the same thing. It works awesome. In bull markets, if you get into a bear market, we saw that just a little glimpse, you know, in February and, and towards the beginning of March here with the with the Nasdaq pullback. I mean, the markets pull back three, four, five percent. Her fund goes down twenty five percent. So it's just a leveraged play on the market is really what it is. Mm-hmm. So market's going to go up. Nasdaq making new highs. Kathy's going to outperform. So if you think the Nasdaq's going up, then you and they're going to make new highs. You probably want to be long Kathy. All right, it is 8.35 on Monday, which means it is that time. Tim Quast, good morning, sir. How are we doing? Good. How are you guys? Good to see you. Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday to you as well. Anything jump out to you last week in the markets or just kind of more of the same? Well, I figured Dennis would be taking me to task today over <laughs> over tech <laughs> i'm giving you heat why i don't give i don't give heat i it's not like uh, i just gave kathy woods heat for the last 20 minutes i don't give heat <laughs> well last monday tim you were you were yep. bullish tech were you not yes i was yep yep well so we pull big, back a little bit here makes the market <laughs> yeah well that's okay what are we what are you saying on tech now we pull back a little bit here um are you still are you still bullish tech even on the pullback here well so remember the only way i look at the market is through the lens of market structure yeah so you know the rules uh and the behavior of money behind price and volume so uh if i i continue to say that the market cannot perform well if the 50 percent of the market cap that is comprised of tech if you so if you look at tech and you look at consumer discretionary and communication services, and you you know sprinkle tech through all three of those. Uh, that uh, if people are owning those things, this is the question we should be asking: If people are owning those things, 
then that part of the market has to reflect how the overall market behaves. So one of the things that we do internally is we look at the performance of ETFs, exchange traded funds, like Cathy's, <laughs> and, uh, and we compare them to the, the stocks that comprise those instruments. And so it's, it, and if you look at the two things uh, over, over the entire market last week, so uh, there are you know, 11 sectors, uh, and if you look at the underlying stocks and the S&P 500, the S&P 500 was basically flat. And yet the, e, the, the stocks comprising the market were down 2%. So the question then uh, arises, how is it possible for these instruments that are supposed to track the market to diverge so dramatically from the underlying stocks? And if you take energy as a, as a is a case in point. Uh, ener ener the energy ETF from State Street, XLE, was down two basis points last week. Yet the underlying stocks, the, the basket that comprises it, were down 7%. So how is that possible? You could say, well, thankfully, I own the ETF and not the underlying stocks. But the the point of the matter is that the ETF is supposed to track what the underlying basket of stocks is doing. That's so why is, that, why is that not occurring in the stock market? And you would say, traders, traders who are listening to this, why would you care? Well, you should know what is occurring in the stock market. So how is it possible for that ETF to do well and the underlying basket to not, to not do well. Explain. Please enlighten me on this. Yeah, very explain that. <laughs> all right. So I think it all ties into what happened last week, which was quad witching. So quad witching means that there are uh, expirations of derivatives that are futures and options tied to indexes and individual stocks. That's how you get four. So... If you depend on derivatives, instead of owning the stocks, there's a possibility that what you do differs from the stocks. And there's even a bigger reason. So suppose that you, you're BlackRock and you're running trillions of dollars of, of exchange-traded funds, and, uh, and you don't want stuff that's going down. So if you're, you're interacting with, say, Morgan Stanley, Morgan Stanley is your authorized participant who brings you a basket of stocks in exchange for uh, shares of ETFs to offer to the public. Suppose you say to, to uh, Morgan Stanley, we, would, we, don't want, we don't want Exxon Mobil and Chevron and all this stuff because that stuff is going down. Uh, but if you give us a check, just some cash, we'll take that instead. And that's called cash in lieu. And so where am I going with all this <laughs> for you traders? There is, a, there is a point here. There is a lesson for all of us who are trying to trade and do so successfully. Uh, but here's what can happen. So, so a, a Kathy Wood can, uh, in, in the same vein, could take cash instead of Tesla. If I don't want Tesla stock, I could tell my broker, I just want, I just want a check in place of the stock that you, the rest of us own. And so then the ETF does better 
than the rest of us. Uh, and the question then is, is that okay? Is that okay with all of us? I mean, the whole point to it, like having authorized participants is so that the index, obviously the ETF tracks the, the basket of stocks right. very closely. If, if 7% difference, why would the uh, authorized participants not just be coming in and then, you know, bring building the basket and then obviously, you know, turning it into right. XLE. Right. So, so Why? let's look at that. Right? <laughs> Why are they not doing that then? Right. Well, right. So here's the, here's the trading point. Um, I'm, I'm going to share my, my screen or at least attempt to do so um, because you would want to know this is, this is the whole point for traders. You would want to know if that is occurring. And how would you know? How would you know? Uh, well, let's come over here. And I'm, I, I happen to have, so, so you can do this, traders. Go to marketstructureedge.com, and you can look at this too. And, and I've, I've got GameStop on my, on my screen because it's a, it's a, we're going to lead into energy. And you say, well, GameStop has nothing to do with energy. Well, that's the point. In the stock market, there is a set of rules that determine how things occur. And they're the same for everybody. So if you want to know if Kathy Wood is uh, using cash in lieu, it will show up here. So here's GameStop. And what this is showing us is uh, here's sentiment. Sentiment is merely a measure of supply and demand. Everything is about supply and demand. And so if you looked at, at GameStop and look at short volume, <laughs> short volume is the percentage of trading volume coming from borrowed stock. And notice that all along here, it's about 60%. And look at what sentiment did on the 18th and the 19th is tick ticking down. So we know, we know that, uh, the citadels of the world are manufacturing stock, believing that it's going to go down. All right, so let's go look at energy. This is telling us you would not want to own GameStop. And I don't care how powerful Wall Street bets is. If Citadel knows, looking at the supply and demand, that there is no longer an exchange of shares occurring, if there's anything going on, it's cash in lieu. This is what's going to happen to GameStop. It's going to go down. All right, so let's go look at energy. Uh, let's, let's, I'm going to go over here to the dashboard and just pull up the, the energy sector. And there are, in this basket, 139 stocks. And so we look who's leading, fast trading. All right, so let's go look at the supply-demand balance in this. Uh, whoops, let me go back. It's going to show up. It's, uh, I, I want to go back and look at this and talk about cash in lieu. So look at short volume. There's the trend in energy, and it's the very same trend as we saw in GameStop. So it doesn't matter whether it's energy or if it's communication services or tech. If the supply of stock is rising and sentiment is falling, then we know that whoever has to balance out their portfolios at options expirations each month isn't doing it with stock. They're doing it with cash. And what will that do to the prices of things? Well, they'll decline. It's that simple. And you can see it in the math.
So I, you know, it's one of my bones of contention with regulation in the market that this is possible. It doesn't sound, it doesn't sound possible. <laughs> so, right. um, so what are the other, um, applications of, uh, of this knowledge? How else can we use this knowledge? Well, let's talk about tech, right? I, yeah. you know, I said tech, if, if, if we're going to follow the market and we're going to follow that 50% of market cap that has to be tied to tech, yeah. uh, then we should see people buying tech. So I'm, I'm, let's go look at it. So much, much, uh, pardon me. How quickly does this data change? Um, <clears throat> like how quickly do you right. see, and obviously, you know, is this like something that's over the course of days or can it change in the course of hours? How quickly does you know the market sentiment right. change? It cha so it ebbs and flows in about ten day increments. Remember, if we day. go back all the way back to February. Remember, Dennis, you and I talked about this February twenty second, and I said the market will struggle uh, for roughly ten days. And why is that? Well, because there's a there's a, a period of time in the markets between when people put money to work in 401ks, let's say, uh, and when uh, derivatives that can be used as substitutes for stock positions come due, that's about the third week of the month. And then the ends of months when all these funds have to true up their tracking to the market. So all it's a very important concept for traders. To, you know, you don't have to be a, a high-frequency trader like a Citadel or a Virtu or a Two Sigma or a Hudson River Trading. Mm -hmm. If you understand that these things move in increments, that's how the market works. So looking at tech, look, look at tech here. And it, and it hasn't done as well as I thought it would. And we're not through this yet, by the way. I still have – I I'll, so I grew up on a cattle ranch. And so I'm going to use a rodeo analogy because I rode <laughs> – I rode things that bucked. So I like to be out of my stock positions into expirations because you don't know what's going to happen. But if you're on that horse and the, and the chute opens, now you're stuck for eight seconds. You're going to have to ride this thing. And that's, how, <laughs> okay. and that's often how it I is. I get so, bucked off stocks right, all the time. <laughs> uh, right, exactly. Well, I've, uh, so we talked about Palantir and we should look at Palantir. Uh, and we will. But look at this. So here's look at the short volume trend in tech and sentiment. I mean, here's where they topped. Right. This is where everybody should have been out of the market right there. February 12th. February 12th. Because, yep. Yeah. That was the point. That'd be a good sell, actually. Right. February 12th. Now look where it is today. So sentiment right now is at, uh, so as of the uh, Friday, we're at 7.6 and the market tends to trade between four and six. So we are, we're bucking out of the chute and yet we haven't gotten the returns that should have been delivered with this kind of recovery from below five to above five. Let me explain this for traders. So the whole market has supply and demand. And, and uh, if, if demand exceeds supply, stocks are above five. If supply exceeds demand, they're below five. And the whole tech sector, 400 companies there. And notice who's leading. 
The behavior that is leading is passive investment, exactly as you would expect around options expirations where everybody has to rebalance their portfolios. But what are they doing? I think they're using cash in lieu. And this is why the, the tech sector has not done as well as you would expect. If everybody had to go out and say, you're underweight tech, I, I need to own Apple because Apple is supposed to be 10% of my portfolio and it's yeah. 7%. Well, what if, what if I just take a check instead? Well, Apple will not rise. That's what happens. And how, and how important is that from a trading perspective? Well, I mean, it's, it's difficult, right? We're getting into the weeds there. But the beautiful thing is with, with Market Structure Edge, you don't have to worry about that. You just look at short volume. If short volume is rising and, the, and sentiment is topping, you know, it's, it, it tells you right there that you're going to have a very difficult time delivering results. I'm going to go to Palantir. I, I mean, I'm I should be. that everybody wants to talk about all the time. <laughs> right, right, right. Let's go look <laughs> at it. Right? So... It's tired. It's probably, it I would tired. say, like, I get requests what? from traders all the time. You know, obviously, I'm you know, yep. take your time, but you know, individually sent to me, you know, a lot. Like, you know, a lot of you know, tip through Twitter. You know, yep. Some people buy my email. It's just literally, you know, a lot of different, you know, ways that people ask me about stocks. Right. I would say probably the stock I get asked the most, and it's multiple times a week, is Palantir, PLTR. People all love right. this stock. They love talking about it. They want to be in this stock. This is the stock that people want to talk about. Right. And uh, so, so here's how I look at it. And I like it too, right? I, I, talked, I said I like Palantir. And if, you know, if I'd followed my, uh, my wife Karen's uh, suggestion, I told her, you know, Palantir is, look at the sentiment. You know, look at short volume. looks awesome. And she said, you should sell it before options expirations. <laughs> and she was she was correct. I mean, there's your we there was a great return in Palantir. But here's the problem. You know, if that whole the, this concept that I'm talking about where ETFs that own five trillion dollars worth of stocks in the U.S. market decide not to buy it, but instead to use a substitute like derivatives, like futures or options or cash, then what happens is this sentiment peaked right there. Now, you don't, you know, it, it doesn't mean that Palantir, the run, any opportunity in Palantir is over because it's still above five. There is implied demand, but it means that in the next couple of days, if you own Palantir and it rises, you should take that money and run. Here's beautiful Palantir. Sentiment at 10. Then here's where short volume pops above trend. That's where you should leave. If, if short volume is way above trend, there's your opportunity. And you don't buy it till the sentiment ticks up again. But this is the problem. It's the, the options expirations period that I think for traders is very challenging. And it's because there is so much substitution occurring. Mm -hmm. And maybe we all have to learn to avoid about the 18th of every month. As and this an investor. Right. Right. Yeah. What do you think about the quad the witches at quad witches as turning points in the market? I mean, you've seen that, you know, you had right. the gamma and wine last March and stuff. I mean, right. I think this is a big week for the market. I mean, I'm gonna Important. I can sit tight. I really I really do because you made okay. I mean it was just Thursday and the spoos were seventy five handles higher than this overnight. Right. And we sold off, you made the Friday low, the weekly low. 
And now you you know you're just getting bounced. It just it just doesn't feel like you're just gonna rip this thing up. I mean, I could be wrong, but it just doesn't feel like we're ripping right back up to thirty nine fifty four thousand. What did your work tell you on the you know major turning points on the quad witches? Well, on, that's a great it's a it's a great observation, Joel. Because if you Thank go you. back and yeah, you know no, I and I think it becomes bigger and bigger. Uh, if you if you consider that. There are only so many stocks. So we can we could have 370 SPACs come public over the last year. Uh, but but that does not it does not change the fact that we've got the, the planet is a wash in money and that money wants to be in equities and bonds and various other things. But let's just think NFTs. of it this way. Right. NFTs, art, real estate, it will find its way into things. Uh, but if you're going to try to try to uh, true up how you track a benchmark, those things are always going to tie to expirations periods. And so you could look at the end of the year. You could look at each quarter. And I think these things become bigger and bigger and bigger because there isn't enough ec- underlying equity to satisfy all of the money. So what does it do? It looks for a substitute like a derivative. And that's why I think increasingly we as traders need to be very careful around these options expirations periods and particularly the quarterly ones. So we next one is June, but still we're going to have, we've got one coming up in April. That's going to matter today, by the way, new options trade. I think it will be a very good day for tech because the, instead of buying stocks, Everybody will look for options. And I'm, I don't mean tr- the, the traders. I mean BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. They're going to use options and futures to substitute for stocks because they can offload the risk of being exposed to Tesla or Apple or Microsoft to Goldman Sachs if they just have an option. So then tomorrow's Counterparty Tuesday, all the banks will true up their books. I think Monday, Tuesday are going to be very good days for tech for that reason. But if they're up, you should be out. Tim Quast is the founder and CEO of Market Structure Edge. You can learn more by going to the website. The link is up on the screen right now, marketstructureedge.com. Tim, always a pleasure. Good to see you guys. All right. All right. Let's do some some ticker time, guys. We've got five minutes left here before I'm going to bring on our next guest. So let's do some ticker time. Drop your tickers in the chat. We will cover them as quickly as we can. Uh, I know Palantir was already up there, so we've already got one down. So we, we got. Oh boy, oh boy! I don't know. This looks tired to me. Yeah, I, I don't. I get support twenty-two I, to twenty-three. Yeah, but it's, not, but it's had so many. You know, like it's had so many candy pops. And, and here we go. Back. Okay, we're going. Let's go quick. Let's talk about Baba. Ooh, the Bobster. It's had a nice pop here. There's oh. still so many unknowns oh. here. So I'm long it. I stay long it. I know, wrong stock. But but it's um, technically it looks okay down there. It's just so many unknowns. We don't know how, they, yeah. how this is all going to shake out with the monopolistic stuff and the regulation in China. They're obviously still on, you know, there's still, Jack Ma's still not in favor there. The story never ends. Yeah, there's a lot more stories still to, to come here. So that scares me to buy more. Four star resistance two forty one fifty. All right, um, Nike had earnings last week. It's been a couple of days now. 
it seems like Nike always bounces back. Lots of support, 130 to 135. I'd love it down at 130. I don't know if you get there. It's the kind of stock people want to own. It's the kind of stock they'll eventually buy the dip on, I think. So hard to be bearish, Nike. Uh, I'm going to take the other side of that trade. Yeah, uh, I, love I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, when I was talking with Rob about it on stock odds last night, he said it doesn't have the greatest probability of being up today. Also, I think some people got caught. You got up to that old time high. You failed. You had a bad day. I think some people are like, you know what? I am not going to wait for this to get back to 142. And I think they'll be selling today. No, if unless you take out that low for Friday, no major downside. Yep. But I think you just drift today. Okay. Speaking of a stock people want to own, what about DraftKings? People really want to own that thing. Well, and you got the merch madness too. So you've mm-hmm. had a madness run a little bit here in both Penn and DraftKings. I was long uh, Penn over the weekend. It's getting a little bit of love here just because I thought the madness might pop these stocks on Monday morning, and it is. Um, it, it's been a great run for DraftKings. Valuation's crazy, but you know it's been it's a storied stock. It's sitting up near the highs, and if the bull market continues, this is one that's probably going to eventually drive to a hundred. So all depends on the overall market, but. This is the strongest stock, one of the strongest ones. So um, the story is still there. Sports are still there. Unless COVID comes and, you know, it goes the second wave and the vaccines not stops working. I mean, you got to think DraftKings, you know, the story is still unfolding, and I think it still goes higher. 7409, that's your all-time high. Someone's working out of a piece at 7350 as we speak. So I'm not buying it up here. I'd look at that as resistance. I'm not buying it either up yeah. here. 7350 to 74. I just think, I'd buy it on pullbacks, though. I think eventually people are just going to run out of money. I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's, you bet you're it, not going to gamble. People are going to stop I gambling. I mean, we know, you know. We know, you know what also I love? People are going to eventually stop gambling because they're going to be broke. Joel well, has no know, confidence in the average you, you You got the Powell printing press. Joel, okay, I know. Is on, I yeah. Which is on forever, apparently, you know, from last week's commentary. So, you know Okay. I just love this. Like, gamble, not, with the, gamble with the government's money. Right, go what? I, I'm not in the car very much, right? Yeah. But every time I'm in that car and I hear an ad for DraftKings or whatever, there's like 47 of these different apps now. Mm-hmm. What do they say immediately afterwards? Well, no, that's because they have to. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that That's because there's a law saying if you don't tell pe- point people to a gambling addiction hotline, then you're, you're in trouble. I, I've yeah. seen this. The signs in the casinos, you know, 25 years ago, you go in there and they got the gambling addiction hotlines yeah, there, but the casinos are still packed here 25 yeah. years later. Yeah. Oh, they're not packed right now. All right. Maybe not. No, they're doing it online. I mean, it's a trend. Again. I mean, I don't know. Would you buy casino stocks? I mean, the reopening's happening. I will, you, we, we haven't looked at those. Let's look at MGM and Wynn and LVS. We haven't Lisa doesn't like Vegas, so I'm not buying it. I bought Vegas. the Wynn back at like 95 bucks or something. And, and sold it at 96. Yeah, yeah, you know how I am. I <laughs> but uh, it's been a hell of a run. It's come back. That's come a long way back there ever yeah, since yeah, that uh, sexual scandal that it had. The reopening trade is on. That was a long time ago when Steve Wynn got in all kinds of trouble, right? Oh, he's, out, he's out. He's been out. So. Yeah, he's been out. Right, 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 right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's like it's like a Boeing, you know? Like, Boeing finally took back half of that move. Mm-hmm. Remember that? We were talking mm-hmm. about that for a long time, how Boeing had to take back 50%. And it did, and it exceeded it a little bit. 
but then it lost it. The 50% came in at 268, pilled back. So let's figure that out on your win. And that's what I'll be looking at. Resistance, what, 200 to 40? Whew, 160, 80, 120. So you're over it now. I don't know. Let's see if you can get to that next high next month. Ah, I don't see it. 137.58. That's my number. Monthly high February of last year. All right. We had Tim Quast on the show before. He's uh, bullish tech, uh, at least uh, in the in the short term. Uh, Going to have another someone who I believe is is another tech bull. Chaim Siegel, head of U.S. equity research at Elazar Advisors, joining us now for the very first time on pre market prep. Chaim, good morning. Hi guys. Great to, have, right. great to be here. Thanks for having me. We, we got a functioning camera, functioning microphone. We hear you. We oh. see you. Let's great. Let's talk. So go. you are, uh, you're, you're still long-term secular bullish, you big tech, right? Well, uh, I I look at stocks fundamentally, but okay. I uh, I like to you know shorter term. I like to look at the technicals, and I think that's important. So okay. fundamentals right now are very strong. No okay. doubt about it. I speak to a lot of companies every quarter, mostly the big cap tech companies. And uh, I think people are very bullish. I think companies are very bullish. Uh, you know, you just have um, companies not getting the supply they need in semis, and uh, that's uh, going down the chain. So companies need to order. There seems to be demand because of COVID and data and things like that. Yeah. But um, I think there's a new change at the margin that's coming that's potentially risky. Um, so I'm not totally bullish on stocks right now or the queues or tech yeah. right now. Fundamentally, yes. Technically, probably no. I think there's more, there's, there's, there's risk out there, I think. Maybe, maybe more of a short-term sideways-ish move is what, is what uh, you're saying? I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, we, 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 we go from bottoms up to top down. So yeah. I got all riled up with the Fed meeting last week. I thought they they showed un, un, in between the lines zero confidence in this economy. They showed their dot plot in two, 2023, and they were asked three times by reporters, uh, what was it, Wednesday, and, um, and Fed Chair Powell had, Powell had no answer. They asked them, your, your dot plot says, you know, you're going to, you're going to keep rates until 2023, but you're going to hit all your targets. Why don't you start raising rates? And he had no answer to the same question three times. And the answer is he has no confidence in this economy without Fed support. He also said this economy is doing great because of Fed support. So, so they have a problem. They have a big problem. And I think the mar- if you saw the close on Wednesday, it traded weak. It was a good day. Everybody was bullish because the market was up, but the close on Wednesday was weak. I didn't like that close, and I told subscribers to get um, short, net short ETFs for Thursday just because I hated that close, and I really didn't like what Fed Chair Powell said. Um, And the other thing I think that's crazy and that everybody believes him is that they're saying inflation is transitory. Do you know that? Do they know that? There's, there's no way that they know that. I mean, inflation is just starting to pick up. Yeah. They, they know it's transitory. I mean, they know the COVID cases are going to go down. Transitory uh, inflation is picking up because there's a lot of uh, um, backup in, in supply chains. Um, that's one reason. But you also have oil moving up. I think that's inflationary. I don't think we know if that's transitory. 
Well, uh, regarding the dot pot, didn't Powell say basically like to not not look at that? Did, it wasn't that. <laughs> like, that was his answer, right? He was like, don't look at that. I thought that's right. <laughs> don't yeah. don't look at that, even though that's what we all think. Don't look at what we think. Yeah. I'll all tell right. you another thing that they don't say a lot lately, but they used to say a lot. And this was just a few years ago, but they can't say it because they need to instill confidence that they're going to keep rates at zero forever, which okay. is not true. Um, I don't believe it's true uh, because once you get inflation, they're going to have to raise rates. They have no choice. Mm -hmm. So that's the big risk building in this story. You're seeing it with um, uh, bonds uh, dropping pretty much every day. Um, but you asked me a question. <laughs> I, I, got, I got off track. But no, I'm, no, no, no. So, so, so you know, that's all good commentary, though. If we can go to like a spe specific area of the market, though, I, I think uh, prior to this weekend, you probably had one of the higher Tesla price targets out there, right? Right. You're, you're up. You're up in the. In we the we just downgraded it actually last week. Oh, did you and, even see that? Yes. Okay. Yes, and we lowered our uh, earnings. Actually, much close. We had earnings much higher um, for 2021 and 2022. I mean, we've been one of the biggest bulls on Tesla for a couple of years now. I think we were one of the few people way above the street and uh, saying they're going to make money and uh, having you know ridiculous price targets at the time a year and two years ago. Yeah. But it was just based on our earnings target multiplied by 45 or 55 PE. We've been using higher than that lately, 65 PE as our max. But I think that there's problems because of uh, you know, the semi shortage and supply um, problems for Tesla. Um, and if you notice that uh, estimates for deliveries have also been coming down through the quarter, I mean, you never liked that. I mean, I really liked, you know, what you guys were talking about on your last segment. And, um, and, and you're, you're basically saying, I think it was uh, Dennis was saying that, um, you know, stocks, maybe Tesla go up on bad news. Um, but I think we're, we're at risk for uh, Tesla coming on a period of more negative news. Our estimates are finally now below the street for the next couple of quarters. Because, um, you know, Q4, they had issues in gross margins, and they said it was just one time. But now they have um, uh, uh, sourcing problems. And so if that's, I think they may need to, you know, use air shipping and different things like that. They might have another problem with gross margins this quarter. And so, and, and a lot of these problems are based on, you know, COVID. And COVID was going down, but that curve has started to, reaccelerate and i think that's a problem for them um and so our numbers came down so we're below the street we went to neutral after being at a buy a after the earnings last quarter which was near the highs we went from strong buy to buy just because of the gross margins we didn't like that and so now and we also told we also in our model portfolio we got to like a zero percent position just because we didn't like how it was acting and we thought the news was not as good as people, you know, there's a lot of just perma bulls out there that, yeah. you know, close their eyes to the fundamentals. But I think the fundamentals are not as good near term. I think the fundamentals are great long term. But I, I mean, we say it all the time to our subscribers, the long term is just a series of short terms. So you gotta, you gotta kind of nail that too. So you, you, you can't close your eyes to this. 
What, what about Zoom? That's a question that I asked the chat for tickers a few moments ago, and one of them, somebody threw out Zoom. And that's a subject yeah. that you cover as well. Yeah. Uh, it's gotten punished off the earnings report. Right, really, not just that. Really, since last one, last yes. fall. But the all-time high was hit in October, so since then. Uh, but w- what do you make of Zoom, I guess, like near term and longer term? Right. So I think Zoom got killed on the earnings because, you know, there were just a bunch of funds that knew that the earnings would be good or thought the earnings would be good. But, you know, we're worried about this post-COVID world and, you know, getting back to old school, you know, um, basic economy stuff um, and selling, you know, the companies that benefited from uh, COVID, which, you know, Zoom is the poster child for benefiting from COVID having, you know, what, 500% growth rates, pretty good. Um, so uh, I think that, you know, the gro- the company gave amazing, very strong guidance. Um, here, I'm pulling up the numbers, but uh, they gave very strong guidance for the next quarter. Um, and, you know, so they're saying they're being conservative, but they gave very strong guidance. I'll just I like to look at the two-year revenue growth rate, and I think that's really important here for Zoom because, uh, you know, you had such a strange year last year. Let's compare it to two years ago when things were more normal, and let's see what the growth rates are, and the growth rates are amazing. So, and plus, you know, short-term, I think this is very important if you have a lot of traders watching this too, you know, with that COVID curve going up, you know, I think this makes sense. I mean, this is the first time I really, I, I uh, tell subscribers, you know, when I want to try to give, uh, try to get big again. Um, and Zoom, we've been very patient and I'm just starting to want to, you know, give it a toe in the water um, because it seems like it's starting, has a chance to hold. And also with the COVID news, I think is a change. But here's the growth rates on a two-year basis. This is revenue growth rates the last four quarters. 272, 272% for Q1, 450 Q2, 450 Q3, 447 Q4. And um, I- Wait, I, wait, but that was all during COVID though, so- This is all during COVID, right. but it's comparing versus two years ago. So it's it's kind of washing out the last year and saying, what what's the growth rates versus two years ago? So when we ha- when we go back to normal, we're going to have to lap these numbers. So yes, the one-year number is going to come back, but the two-year number may not come back so much. You don't know because, I mean, all we hear about, I mean, you're, you're out there and you hear, I hear a lot of companies talking about using Zoom. You know, it's just out there and um, it's very strong. COVID isn't going away right away. I mean, it's getting worse a little bit near term, unfortunately. So I think this is a real company, a real stock. I think they have a real positioning. We have huge earnings, I think much higher than the street. The streets for 20, uh, for this year, uh, they're at 370. I mean, <laughs> we have like three times that for this year. So, so, so the argument against Zoom, and, and we can move this into like the, enti- the entire tech sector really, because the, enti- the argument against Zoom or any of these companies is, is valuation, right? Does the valuation make any logical sense what do you make of all of these uh whether they're a covid stock or not all these tech companies that have valuations that seem high and maybe in hindsight not but like at this moment in history they seem high 
I agree. So look, when you have the Fed uh, keeping rates at 0%, by definition, valuations are going to go high because when you're doing these discount, discounted cash flow uh, valuations, then you know, your denominator is low because of rates. And so you know, the future cash flows, when they're discounted back, are a higher valuation. So it makes sense. What I use is I don't use, I use the, the midpoint of the last three-year PE. So I'm not using a high PE or what it's trading at now or the low. I'm using midpoint. And so a lot of stocks don't fall into our, our, our filter. Um, we cover about 50 of the biggest cap companies. Um, so I agree that stocks are highly valued. Um, but, you know, if, if rates start to go up, which they are, that's what's hitting tech. Wait, wait, so you said you use the median of the last, so like in Zoom, for example, you're not looking at Zoom's PE today, you're looking at Zoom's PE, the median over the last three years, and that's how you, that's how you base your analysis? So it- let, me, let, let me, so this is what I do for all companies. So yeah. Zoom, I'm sure it's higher than that. So I, I have a max 65 PE uh, for I'll use for any company if I think it's worthy. Um, yeah. So I've been using uh, 65 PE for Zoom, I'm just trying to pull it up. Give me a second. Yeah. Um, but I zoom, I think is traded much higher than that on a PE basis. So my numbers times 65 times get me 50% upside from, you know, where the stock is. Um, so I'm, I'm okay with zoom's valuation, but there are a ton of stocks, cloud stocks and a ton of stocks out there that are just way past. Uh, yeah, I have zoom the last, you know, year or two, traded between 100 and 400 times PE. I'm using 65 times and I like the stock based on the potential earnings. So, so I don't- on. So, so that's, again, that 65 is, is the median PE ratio over the last three years for Zoom. Is that no, right? 65 oh. is my max PE. The, the median for Zoom is 200 times, Okay. but I'm not using that. The market is- is wrong a lot on the future earnings expectation. Okay. So Zoom, it's wrong because it's assuming that their their revenues will fall off a cliff to get to that type of earnings number. The growth rates will slow immensely to get to those type of earnings numbers. I don't think that's so realistic. I mean, the company is seeing it real time and they're, you know, a company wants to be conservative. Zoom has been accused of being very conservative. They were not last quarter. They're seeing great results right now. Um, I hear you if, if COVID, you know, the, the curve comes down, well, we, we don't know, but the, there's the COVID, the, the curve already came down and, um, you know, their growth rate didn't slow. Yeah. All right. Chaim Siegel is head of U.S. equity research at Elazar Advisors. Chaim, thank you so thank much you. for coming on. Happy Passover. We'll have to get you back again soon. Thanks. Thanks a lot. All right, guys, smash smash the like. New, I always love getting new blood on the show. New guests. Smash the like for Chaim. We appreciate that. He's like eight hours ahead of us. So thanks a lot uh, to to him. Uh, thanks to uh, Tim Quast for joining us as well today. Thanks to all of you in our chat. All of our chats, right? We've got the YouTube chat. We've got the Benzinga.com chat, which is Benzinga.com slash premarket prep. And we've got the Benzinga Pro chat plus the chats on Facebook and and Twitch and Twitter, I can't be everywhere. I apologize. I'm sure there's a lot in chat that I missed. I'm sorry. Uh, our YouTube chat is the most active chat, so I do uh, pay most attention to that. But I am watching as many of them as I can throughout the course of the show. Thank you very much. Uh, be a trader for life. I appreciate that. 
Uh, guys, this show is also available as a podcast, right? If you miss a show, you want to listen in the car or whatever, we're on every major podcast platform. For all of you podcast listeners, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.